Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Brandon Archer Podcast. This is Brandon Archer. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for leaving the comments, reviews, and I just really appreciate the support. I believe uh, today's going to be another day of diving in and just uncovering and discovering God's word, God's heart, God's character, God's nature. Um, He's awesome. He's good. You know, there's no fear in God. There's no trepidation. There's no worry. There's no doubt. He does. He, God doesn't deal with unbelief uh, like the human condition, right? The unbelief. Why? Because people have been disappointed. People go through stuff. They get let down. They get disappointed. People fail one another. Um, you know, sometimes people just do wrong. They just do wrong to one another. They hurt each other. And that experience creates a dichotomy in the human soul to what? To unbelief, to think things are going to not work out, to think things aren't going to be good. Life's going to suck, right? Life's going to be horrible. It's going to be terrible. It's not going to work out. And you meet certain people and that's literally their mindset. They, they, their life is filled with fear, doubt, worry. Um, they don't have peace. They don't have rest. Uh, they're like a, a a negative force. They have a cloud over their head. Instead of changing the atmosphere for good, they come and bring <laughs> they bring a lot of you know negativity. And I'm sure all of us have have met people like this. They just their their countenance, their character, just shifts everything to like this really depressing, down, you know, um, look looking at life you know, from the ha- the glass is half empty instead of it being half full. And that's a perfect, you know, analogy of the human condition, right? Or that, that, that dynamic of people living their life and looking at life always afraid or fearful that they're not going to have enough, that they're not going to, they're not going to be uh, taken care of. And this is the reason why we give our life to the Lord, because the Lord he sustains and the more you walk with him the more you see yeah even in disappointment yeah even in when things do sometimes take a turn god has a way of turning things around god has a way of shifting it and making it all work out for our good for for his glory and our good um credit to my past pastor randy used to say that all the time god wants to do in our life is for his glory and our good and we just need to get in agreement with it so this morning, I just pray. I pray against every spirit of, of unbelief and doubt. I rebuke it in Jesus' name. The Bible says whatever is not of faith is sin, meaning when we're in fear and when we're in unbelief, it's sin. It's not, God didn't create us to fear and to have that. So that's a part of sin's stain on the human condition is to look at things and be fearful and to, and to try to, you know, to see always see what the enemy is doing and instead of partnering with and seeing what God's doing. I think a lot of the things that happen in the world would shift and change if people would just get in agreement with you, Lord. So God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you that, that your Holy Spirit is a spirit of uh, peace, joy, righteousness, right? The Bible says, you say in your word, God, that you haven't given us a what? A spirit of fear or timidity, cowardice, but one of power, love, and a sound mind. 
God, I pray for a sound mind today. I pray for people that they would just have this stillness in their soul, this peace in their life, Lord, where they would experience that rest and that that coming into a place of just trusting you and believing in you. So God, we love you. We bless you. We thank you. And we ask that you would anoint this, this time, this word, get into the nooks and crannies of our life, get into the areas that are, that are hidden, get into those places, God, and unlock, unlock those, those locked doors. We invite you to come in. Only you have the key to some of these areas that the enemy's walled up, that, that we've put up. God, your power and your authority can break through every wall, break, break down every barrier because you are the one who is in control and has power over everything. You're awesome and you're worthy of it all. So we love you. We bless you in Jesus name. Amen. All right. Well, let's go ahead and just jump into this Psalms 119. This is uh, one of, I think, the longest chapter in the Bible. And it is the most rich because it, it just talks about the word of God and loving the word of God. And, and if people would just spend some time in this and, and get these things in their heart and in their spirit and let it kind of shift and change the way they look at life, the way they see life. That they would look through life through the commandments, through the through the the word of God, right? His his precepts, his instructions. Then they would be better off, for sure. So let's go ahead and see where do we uh, stop last week. I think we're here at twenty two. It says, "Remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. Remove from me reproach and contempt." For I have kept your testimonies. You know, the world doesn't, doesn't like when Jesus shines. The, spirit, the Antichrist spirit in the world doesn't like when the Holy Spirit moves, when the Holy Spirit is, is glorified, when God is moving in people. The, the, the Antichrist spirit actually hates it. So his goal is to bring a reproach in any way he can, to try to, to dole it down or or maim it, or make it look like God's not faithful. God, See, the enemy wants you to believe God's not good. And there are hundreds of people in the world who actually believe that God isn't good. They think that God's this, the, the version of their God is this religious, rigid, you know, judging, killing thousands, you know, the crusades, you know, everybody always used the Christian crusades in that God's just out to like murder and destroy or keep you from having a good time, right? Oh, religion, just, you, know, you can't have a good time because God's mad at you. And this is such a lie. And this is what the devil does. He wants there to be contempt and reproach upon us as a body, as Christians, and us individually as redeemed by God. In fact, if he can shift and twist and lie about you to other people and get them to believe lies, right? Then that, then that brings a reproach. It brings a contempt in the heart of people. And that's the work of the devil. That's not the work of God. The work of God is faithfulness, security, right? He loves us. He actually 
his countenance when it's upon us is one of joy. It's one that actually pulls people towards him, not pushes them away from him. You know, the only reason why most people don't want to get close to God is because they're afraid of well, what if people know what's really going on, right? What if people know my past? What if people know who I really am? So they stay away from God. They, they shrink back. But I'm here to tell you, you got to fight against those things. You got to press into God and trust him. He's got you. Don't trust in men. Don't trust in riches. Don't trust in, you know, position and power. Trust in God because God holds you in his hand and his his ways are higher than man. His thoughts are higher. So he says, I have kept your testimonies. So I believe that it's a covenant and a promise for God to remove reproach and contempt when what? When we keep his testimonies. When, we're, when we obey his word, when we're doing what he asks us to do. Because when you look at, um, you know, the Bible, when people mess up or whatever, it's always this, you know, attack from people and the devil, really. But but if you see a man of God and he falls or, or there's something that happens, people will crucify him without any struggle. It's It's in people's nature to put people up on crosses, put a noose around their neck, hang them bigots, you know, racists. I mean, it's history, right? String them up and a mob, right? A crowd of people, just just miserable people who hate life, who just want to see somebody else tortured and murdered and maimed. I mean, it's that's the human condition. It's that wicked. And sometimes for, for, for folly, for things that aren't even really that big of a deal, but because people are so broken and they're so, they hate themselves so much, they will wait for an opportunity to jump on somebody else's shame, misery, and guilt. And that is that is that the spirit of the world. That is the spirit and the, the curse of the carnal man. That's why we need to be redeemed. We need to love the Lord. We need to get close to him. So he forms and fashions us. So that when, that when the mob comes in and wants to throw somebody up and hang them, where they're saying, no, this is not the spirit of God, right? Like what, what's the scripture in... Uh, uh, Luke, I think, or it's one of the gospels where, where the disciples are there and they're like, call down fire, call down fire on these people. And Jesus is like, look, you don't know what spirit you're of. You don't, you don't understand the spirit of the world that you've been living in is that's the way you're thinking. That's the mindset you have. And instead of love and instead of humility and, and trusting God and, and having grace and compassion on people, you want to bring the fire of God to destroy them and kill them. And the fire of God that I believe Jesus preached about and talked about in the, in the Bible, in the New Testament, is, is one of judgment, right? Meaning that there's going to be a fire that judges man, that, that purifying fire that judges the, the, you know, the thoughts, the intents, the things we've done in secret, the things we've said in secret. All these things are going to be seen and judged by, by his fire. But then there's the fire of, of the Holy Spirit, which to me, you know, and I, you know, again, I believe this in my heart and I don't, I don't think it's necessarily some sort of doctrine. Um, but I, I know that it's in my heart that it's real. I know this, the fervency and the fire of the Holy Spirit when he is on your life and you have surrendered to, to him. He produces, first of all, a passion for God, a love for God above all things, all else. He 
produces in you a passion and a hunger for the word of God. Then he produces in you a passion for the move and the things of God, to see God moving, to, to want to be a part of what God's doing, right? Because that, that's where the assignment comes from. The assignment can't come from somebody on the outside saying, hey, I need you to do something for God. And you don't have that passion and that fire. That's why you can't get, get dead Christians to go out into a lost world and you don't see miracles. You don't have testimonies. You don't have people coming in and saying, hey, look what I just did this or I just did this with the Lord and this person got saved and this person was healed. And, you know, you see churches that have those type of testimonies. There's because there's a fire of the Holy Spirit. There's a work of the Holy Spirit going on. When you don't see that happening, that means they're, they're void of that, right? They're, they're, their main focus is church is another, you know, a Bible class or, or come teach me. Instead of, you know, church is a place where we come to encounter God, to experience his presence, to, to hear his voice, to get, to get direction and instruction on life. And that all comes together. And the Holy Spirit is the one moving and doing all this stuff all these things in our lives. He's the one that purifies and does the work. He's the one that gets us to surrender to God and helps us by by letting us feel his love, letting us experience him. If you don't experience God's love, how, why, how, what's going to cause you to, to lay down and give up everything to, to say, God, I want to be your disciple? I mean, if you don't have any kind of faith or, or belief that God really cares and loves you, then you're going to have this very watered down version of what Christianity looks like. So he removes reproach and contempt when we keep his testimonies. Princes also sit and speak against me, but your servant meditates on your statutes. Your testimonies are also my delight and my counselor. So here he's talking about, you know, there's people in authority, there's people who sit in power and they talk against me and they have uh, uh, things to say. But you know what I do? I put my mind on the word. I put my mind in the things of God because I can't be worried about what princes are saying. I can't be worried about what what the world is, is con- like their opinion of me. I have to be worried about what God's opinion is and what he says. And granted, it's, it, if, you know, <laughs> if you're out there doing wrong and you're, you, you know, you're living in a, in a way that's unscrupulous or, or wrong, you know, something that's contradictory, then yeah, you're going to have people talking about you because that's just the way it goes in life. But your purpose is not to focus on what people think and say. Your, po- your purpose is to focus on the word of God and be faithful and be a steward and, and, and look at it from a perspective of, of this is literally God speaking. This is God's voice speaking to me. And people say, I, I, don't, I can't hear God's voice. Well, you can just go ahead and read the word and you'll hear it, <laughs> right? Just read the Bible. His voice is scattered throughout. I mean, he literally speaks in so many ways through his word. And we can listen to his voice by reading his word. My soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word. I have declared my ways and you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the ways of your precepts so I shall meditate on your wonderful works. Here's another uh, key right here. Meditate on your wonderful works. Instead of meditating on what's the, the enemy's works, instead of meditating on, you know, the depression and the sorrow and the sadness and 
all the things that are going on, you know, that the, that the enemy really wants to be a distraction. It's like you need to focus on God's wonderful works, the fact that he's good, the fact that he's faithful, the fact that, you know what, go back in the Bible and study and see how he, how he rewards the righteous and condemns the wicked. Right? And, and also how he has grace and long-suffering and patience with the wicked. That, that he doesn't just destroy and, and take them out and call down fire. And, but no, but he loves. He loves the sinner. He loves the person that's far away, far off from him. Even the one who's, who's throwing his fist up in the sky and waving it at God and saying, you know, for lack of, <laughs> you know, a cuss word saying, you know, oh, God, you know, he's not real. And people can get just really bitter at the idea of God. They can get really rancid and just, God, bleh, Christian, bleh, and they just get so hateful because they're so bitter through life experience, through their version and what, what's ever happened to them. And that's the work of the enemy. But God is good. And if you can grab that, if you can grasp it and get a hold of it and see how faithful and how good he's been in your life, and even those people who are still living and breathing, you know, who don't love God, don't understand they have the breath they have because of his love, that they have the mind and the ability to think and in in uh, because God is alive and he's given us the breath, right? And not only that, but some of the freedoms we have in this country have been given to us because of other people paying a price of love, of saying, I love my country. I love my freedom. I want my children. I want my family to to have this so i'm willing to fight and die for it this is i believe like the bible says no greater love than a man has than to lay down his life for his friend so all wars you know the ones that are fought for the for the right causes people who've had to die i believe are just another version of of laying one one's life down for for those that he loves the love for his fellow man the love for his his nation, that people would, would go to a place and, and die, right? If you think about World War II and them landing on the beach of Normandy and how many of those young men were just just fresh off the boat, died right there in the moment, just died. Just died so somebody else could advance. They had to, had to take a, live their life to be 17, 16, some of them, you know, young, young men and their life gone in an instant because of a bullet hitting them right in the head and killing them a bomb a mortar blowing them to pieces for what for faith for country for for love for what they believe this type of you know character or or fire whatever you want to call it i don't know intention in your heart to want to 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 love something that much and that's what Jesus did. He loved mankind so much. He loved us so much to say, no, I'm going to die for them. I'm going to go and I'm going to die and I'm going to redeem them. Right? And, and I think that that right there is such a picture of, of the character of God that is found in man. Because why would a man go and die and give his life? You know? And I, I'm sure there were men that were that were probably like, no, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to do it. I, I don't want to. They were scared. 
you know, fear was there and they said, I'm not, I'm not going to go fight for my country. I, I don't want to. I hate this country. You know, you always have bad apples or people that are in just, they're just in a different mindset. But then you find the ones, right? The young, the young guy in the movie that's always like, I want to go fight. I'm going to sign up, even though he's underage and he, you know, that he's lying about his age so he can get in there and fight with his brothers. I mean, this is the, the mentality, I believe, of greatness. You want to be great. You want to you want to have some sort of uh, leave some sort of impact and significant be significant in life. Have this type of mind. And that's the, that's what Jesus said, that this mind would be in you, that the same mind that was in Christ Jesus and his mindset is that I'll lay down my life for what I love and for those I love. And when we love the word of God and we meditate on the word of God, it's actually like inviting God's character and his mind and his spirit to come and dwell and live on the inside of us to where, to where it makes room for him to actually move. And he begins to take over our thoughts. He begins to take over even, I believe, the steps we take. That's why it says the, the steps of a righteous man are ordered to the Lord. God can just order your steps and you find yourself in a, in a place and saying, okay, God, I don't know how I got here, but I do know that you've led me here. You know, my obviously my feet and my steps have taken me there, but I believe it's not just me and my mind and me, but actually you pushing me in that direction. He make make me understand your way, your way and your precepts. So shall I meditate on your wonderful works. My soul melts from heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word. So here he's talking about depression and heaviness and, and oppression, right? Which is, I think everybody in life has encountered these emotions or this feeling of just pressure or weightiness or a sorrow and, you know, depression. And he says, strengthen me according to what? Your word. Because your word, when it goes in and it, and it dispels the lies, it comes in and tells the depression to go. It comes in to say, no, soul bless the lord look at be be thankful look at what look at what god's doing look at what god has done and and rejoice and be grateful and be thankful and put in put position your heart right position your heart before the lord and allow for him to pour out his joy his peace and take that weightiness off of you Another scripture comes to mind and Jesus says, come to me all who are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. But what, what does that require of us to come to him? What does that look like? It looks like you finding a place, get alone with God, get his get the word, you know, pull up, pull up some scriptures, meditate on them, pray, pray, spend time with them, pray in the Holy Spirit. This is one thing that the church has so moved away from that people don't ever get to benefit from this gift because it's been so scrutinized and made to be some sort of weird thing when in reality it's so natural it fits perfectly in the bible the praying in the tongues and praying in the spirit and just spending time you know with god in that way is like exercising your spirit man it's like building up building yourself up on your most holy faith. You get stronger in what faith? Stronger and closer to God. It's like tuning a radio where your signals are all messed up, but you pray in the spirit. Next thing you know, you're, you're tuning. That tuner is, is getting in tune with God. 
and then you can spend 15, 20 minutes after praying in the Holy Spirit, and you'll and all of a sudden you'll get an impression, you'll get a you'll you'll feel an unction, that that worry and that fear will will dissipate, and then God will give you an answer. He'll give you, he'll he'll bring correction and instruction into your life. That word of God will come in and destroy the lies of the enemy every time. The Bible says when the enemy comes in like a flood, the word of God raises a standard against him. And when I talk about raising a standard, you know, this is why a lot of times you see in organizations or churches where there's just leaky, there's stuff going on. There's, you know, you know what I mean? There's, there's a leak. It's like leaky leaks in a, in a plumbing. Right. And if you don't fix the leaks, the leaks can turn into catastrophe. But that raising a standard, it's funny how, you know, the enemy comes in like a flood. It's talking about water and the, and then the enemy raises up a standard. And that standard is the thing that pushes back the flood. It pushes back the enemy's lies, his, his deceit, his deception. The word of God is true. It's the thing that holds position and is firm. And it actually uh, is, is something you can stand on and trust in. But the problem is, is we have to stand and trust. We can't waver. We can't allow life and people and, you know, people's opinions and their ideas to come in and shape who we are. We have to let the word of God and the spirit of God shape us. You know, and this is why, you know, the churches have to have people who are teaching the word of God and, and actually teaching good sound doctrine stuff that comes in and, and breaks off you know religion and lies and replaces it with that that fervency and that that type of mind right that i'm going to lay down my life for god i'm going to give everything to him i'm going to trust him with my riches i'm going to trust him with everything i have and that takes a spirit of god doing that in a person a person's not just going to do that on their own i believe god inspires people to this and even the men who, who gave their lives in the war, I believe God was involved in, in that. You know, I don't think God's in heaven just disconnected from, from what was happening in the world. I don't know how, how, how it all works. All I know is that God is faithful throughout every, every situation. Even what's going on in the Ukraine and the thousands of people who have been murdered. God's not mocked. He, he sees everything. I believe there's there's stories and testimonies that we're going to hear come out of this that are going to be supernatural. People getting delivered, saved, protected. And, and that's going to outweigh what the enemy has done. When it's all said and done, God gets glorified and the enemy gets put to shame. Strengthen me according to your word. Remove from me the way of lying and grant me your law graciously. Here's, here's a, a huge key right here, right? Here's one of the, the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Remove from me the way of lying, deceit, deception, where people lie and, and, and twist the truth and, and they, they kind of shift things to make it fit there to benefit them. And, and at the end of the day, there's little lies and things they try to do to try to make it you know, what they want it to be. And that's where you have to ask God to help you remove those type of attitudes or um, motives or intentions that 
that lurk in the heart of man. Okay, and people will tell themselves, they'll literally lie to themselves and act like they're, they don't have issues. People will, will literally believe a lie about a lie because so they can lie so that other people see them a specific way. You know, we need to, we need to be transparent and bare and let people see the real us and know the real us so that we can have real relationship and real raw um, fellowship. Problem is, is people don't like that type of stuff because sometimes it gets messy so they, have, they try to live on the surface. They try to work behind the scenes. In churches, you see people who get mad or offended, and then they'll go and they'll start, they'll start talking about it with other people and spreading a bunch of gossip and a bunch of uh, hate. But they'll never go to the person. They'll never go and address it with the individual. Why? Because that's that cowardice. That's that fear of man. That's that, that lying spirit, the corruption in man. Why do people do that to one another? Well, because they're evil. Because there's, there's a wickedness at the heart of man that they, and they don't even see it, right? They're just lost in it. And they think, oh, well, I have a riot or I'm vindicated. So they'll go and spread a bunch of malice and gossip about somebody. Talk about Susie behind her back because Susie this, did you see what Susie had on it? And then they'll go and, but never go to Susie and say, hey, Susie, let me ask you a question. You know, in, in a loving, in a kind way, like, hey, why were you wearing that today? Why could half the congregation almost see... <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, honestly, like, instead of going off in, in some women who, who literally, this is their drug. They love the, the drama. They love to create it. They love to, and then they go and they, they live in it like, like a pig in a slop. And they love to, and then they find all the friends who love it. And they get around, they have little gossip columns, little parties. And, and then God is just not having any of it. But the real spiritual woman or man because men do this stuff too. They do it differently. The, the real spirit of God is going to go to the individual. And if you're offended or you see something that you don't like or there's something there, then you go to that person and you just, you know, you, you very cordial, respectful. Hey, let me, let me ask you some questions. What do you think about this? Let me, why, why do you feel like you, you know, and if they're open and they're really in a place to want to receive, then you could help somebody. But if people are indignant and they're like, I don't want to hear what you're saying, and they do all that stuff, then you just have to like, you know, let them know what you think and, and maybe rebuke and instruct, especially if you have a, a, that place in their life. But if you don't, you just got to like dust your feet, you know, kind of just wash your hands and be like, all right, well, you do you then. And you, you meet this type of, uh, you know, people in, in different I mean, no matter where you go, pretty much people are the same. They might have different accents. They might have different opinions, politics. But at the core, we're, we're a lot alike in many ways. There's, there's some people who are very different and autistic and stuff like that. But for the most part, we all share the same, you know, DNA as human beings. We're all human. We all have frailties and we all need God. And we need his word. We need to love his word. Remove from me the way of lying and grant me your law graciously. I have chosen the way of truth. Your judgments I have laid before me. I cling to your testimonies. O Lord, do not put me to shame. I will run the course of your commandments, for you shall enlarge my heart. Teach me, O Lord. Teach me. All right, let me go back here. I will run the course of your commandments, for you shall enlarge my heart and and this is not a (laughs) 
a literal enlarging of your heart because that's not a good thing. But this is in like meaning there's room for God in your heart. That God gives you this, not only this, have you ever heard people say that? He's got a big heart. He's got a, you know, he's just, he's got a big heart. Well, what does that mean? That they're just, they're loving, they're compassionate. They, they're just good. They're good people, right? They, they, they're patient. They're kind uh, with other people. They, they want to give. They're just givers. They're lovers. They're lovers of God and lovers of men. And when you, when you run the course of God's commandments and you, and you stay close to it and you, and you put it first in your life, it should open your heart to be more like God, to hear and to see and to feel and to think like him. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I, I shall observe it with my whole heart, not just a piece, but all of it. Make, my, make me walk in the path of, com, of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies, and, do not, and not to covetousness. I like this one right here. Incline my heart to your testimonies to your goodness, to your faithfulness, to what you've done, to who you are, to what you can do, what you have done and what you will do. I'm, in, I'm, I'm inclining my heart to that. I'm putting my heart and saying, God, I'm gonna remember, I'm gonna see all the good you've done. I'm gonna remind you. I'm gonna have conversations with you about it. Remember, God, what you did here. Remember how faithful you were here. Look at how you turned it around here, God. I know you're gonna do it for me. I know you're gonna be that way to me, God, because you promised that you would. You didn't save me to leave me alone. You didn't save me to leave me isolated and broken and busted. God, no, you saved and delivered me because you have a purpose and a plan for my life. And I'm going to cling to you. I'm going to look to you. I'm going to press into you. I'm going to turn my heart to your, to your word and I'm going to let it fill my life. And it says, and not to what? Covetousness. I'm not going to look at what others have. I'm not going to look at what somebody else has and say, I want that. How can I get that from them? They don't deserve that. That's mine. I'm not going to look at what somebody else and what God's doing and giving them and then, and then it secretly in my heart hate them and want, and want them not to have it and wish I had it. And how can I not have them? How could I, you know, I heard it said that jealousy is wanting what, what being jealous of what somebody has, but covetousness is actually not wanting them to have it. So you want it so bad. Instead of going and getting the thing they have and maybe doing what they did to get it, you want to you somehow get it from them and so they don't have it. And that's just wickedness. That's covetousness, right? They, that's the whole thing with adultery. You see somebody's wife or some, maybe you're, you, you're married and you see some other girl and you start looking and saying, I want that. I want that. That's mine, right? To, to a fault, to a, to a failure, to, a, to an evil degree. There's people who've murdered and killed and plotted and planned to have their husbands or their wives killed so they can go be with the person they want to be with. And it's just wicked just evil well if you incline your heart to god's testimonies then you're not going to be looking at these things you're not going to be look if you if you're spending time with the lord and giving your life to him then these things shouldn't have even though they pass your your you know they cross your path and you'll see maybe or you'll get a little bit of a a, a temptation or whatever but if your heart is before the lord he's right there to say hey what are you doing? Put your eyes on me, right? Because really that, that thing is just there to destroy you because covetousness is, is a sin and it, and it brings a curse on your life. 
not being thankful and grateful for what you have and believing God that he has what he has for you and not wanting what somebody else has is a blessing. But when you start to want what other people have to a point where you start hating them and, and despising them, that's that brings a curse in your life. That'll keep you away from receiving and inheriting all that God has for you. Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things, things that don't have any value, things that really don't matter. God, turn my eyes away from those things and revive me in your way. Revive me in the way that is the way of life and light and truth. Establish your word to me, God. I'm devoted to you. I'm devoted to fearing you. I, I, not in a way that's like a fear that's where it's like torture, but it's an awe and reverence of God. I, I, because I know your word and I know what you like and you, you, you dislike, there's a fear of wanting to obey you and be pleasing to you because you're so awesome and so incredibly powerful. You know, God being God and man being man and man being dust, you know, here today, gone tomorrow. The Bible calls us a wisp of, of wind or a, like a, like a, like that's what man is in time. Every life is just a, a vapor here today, gone tomorrow. I mean, when you think about it, like in the scheme of time in the world, our little lives are so, they don't really mean much. They really don't, unless God is involved, unless God is there, unless God, and, let that, and that's the point, right? Like your life really doesn't matter. The, 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 the reality of your, your life and living it doesn't matter outside of God. It's just another life. You're just another person. You're just another person who needs to eat food. You're just another person who likes this, who doesn't like that. You know, you're, you're just another person in the crowd, but with God, that's not the case. You're individual. You've formed and fashioned in your mother's womb. He's created you for purpose. You stand out. You're separated. You're, you're different than everyone else. And that's what God wants. He wants people that are so full of him, right? To be individual, but to be one. I'm an individual, but I'm also a part of a body and I'm united because I keep my heart right so I can stay in unity and stay in a place of agreement if, I, if I'm not in that place, then I'm disconnected from God. I'm disconnected from the reality of his heart. So people who are just living life to live life, let me tell you, there's a John Smith in Oklahoma. There's a John Smith in New York. There's a John Smith probably in every county. And every single one of them, some of them have wives, some of them been divorced, some of them have kids. There's a Brandon Archer. There's a, there's a Brandon Archer who's a football player, who's an African-American. Uh, trust me, I've Googled my name. <laughs> Unless you have some very unique name, you're going to find there's a lot of yous out there. We got the same name as other people living life who, who have the same dreams and desires you have. And what makes you different from them in life? God, right? God, he's the one to come and give you identity and give you purpose and put his life in you and his word in you. Because it's it's funny because it's like people have families, people have kids. There's this couple over here and there's that couple over there and they have the same needs. They have the same probably struggles and problems. So 
when it comes down to it, we're not as important as we think we are, especially when God's not in our life. But with God, the importance becomes about him. And when we make him important and we make him and give him first place, he shines on our life. And that in turn, it's like his hand being on us makes us special in the world because now we're we're lights, we're, we're kingdom kids, we're kingdom people, and we're peculiar, we're set apart, we're holy, we're, we're special in the earth. And our life isn't just a vapor anymore. It's It becomes purposeful and becomes about eternity and what you do for God and all those things la- matter and last. They have um, sustaining power to them. They, they You're not just doing stuff and it just going into the vapor. I saw this, um, or ether that just never, nobody ever knows about. But I saw this video of, it was like, I think on Facebook, I was just scrolling, you know, you get on those little, the, the, the Facebook tunnel of just little five second, 10 second videos. Some of them are hilarious. And then some of them are like, oh my gosh, like you're, you're like scrolling, like get this out of my face. <laughs> and then I stopped and I watched Billie Eilish talk to some reporter, somebody she's just sitting down talking to him, interview. And she's this young girl who's very popular in music and she's kind of, you know, obviously the world's all over her and she's not serving God at all. But she said something like, it's not gonna matter what I do. If I did good or whatever, in, in years down the road, it's not gonna matter. People are gonna forget about me. I'm not, it doesn't matter if I do bad or if I do good. And I, in a way, what she's saying is truth, but it's a sad truth. That in her life, she thinks, even though she's hit this level of fame, and this is the truth, right? Like how many people have hit fame and they have their their moment of the spotlight and then you forget about them until somebody brings them up or until their song comes on the radio. You never even think about them because in the reality of life, people really aren't as important as they try to make themselves out to be or society tries to create all these like famous, important people and this person's important. But just give it time, those people are going to be dead and buried and they're going to be forgotten and the next generation is going to come along and do their thing. So it matters. It matters how you spend your life. If you want it to matter anyways, you got to give it to the Lord and you got to say, God, make my life mean something. Make it valuable. Use it for your glory. Because at the end of the day, I'm looking to you to say, well done, good, you know, faithful servant. I'm looking for you to say, hey, Thank you for doing what I wanted you to do on the earth. You made an impact. You left something behind that was eternal. That's my goal. That's my heart. And I pray that that would be yours as well. Who is devoted to fearing you? Turn away my reproach, which I dread. For your judgments are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me in your righteousness. Let your mercies come also to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your word. So shall I have an answer for him who reproaches me. For I trust in your word. I trust in your word. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth. For I have hoped in your ordinances. Your word, your ordinances, your instructions, your precepts, your testimonies. All these are talking about God's word, who he is, what he's done. What he's revealed in the word. So shall I keep your law continually forever and ever. And I will walk at liberty. I will be free. I will truly be at liberty when I keep your law, when I walk according to your precepts. I will speak of your testimonies also before kings. 
and I will not be ashamed. For you will, you will put me in places and positions to speak of your testimonies before, before people who have power and influence. You will place me in, in places that in, enable me to have influence on people who have authority. I will speak of your testimonies also before kings. Meaning, and also I, I think that's looking at it from a place of boldness, right? Like, I, I don't care if they're the king, you're the king of kings and I'm gonna tell of your testimonies. I'm gonna speak your truth. So if I'm standing before a ruler, Joe Biden, um, you know, the Chinese government, whatever, whatever authority in the earth that has some sort of power and sway, I'm gonna speak of your testimonies if you put me in that place. If I'm ever before these people, they're not gonna hear me brown nosing and cuddling up. No, I'm gonna tell of the testimonies of Jesus. I'm gonna talk about the kingdom of God. I'm gonna tell I'm gonna bring it to the focus of putting men's eyes who have power, who think they're powerful, and they're gonna know that who I really think is powerful is you and your commandments. I, and I will not be ashamed, it says after that. And I will not be ashamed. So this is another, um, I believe, scripture that backs the whole, you know, political thing where people are like, don't be political, but it's not about politics. Yeah, it's not about, I'm not running for office, okay? I'm not running for office. I'm not trying to be a, a politician, right? So I'm, that's not the point. The point is, is that there's God's precepts and his commands and his ordinances, and those should have first place in my society, in my children's school, in my government, that they should understand. I don't care if you have different religions and different whatever. It doesn't matter. Like, yeah, America's free. You want to practice? But don't come in and start trying to change and shove down my throat the things that aren't God's ordinances, that aren't his truth. You're going to come and bring some demonic foolishness, some lies, some, all this stuff, and then try to say it's, it's better than God's word. You got another thing coming. I'm not going to be ashamed. I'm going to speak and speak the truth according to his word, not according to my comfort or what I want. Right. The whole LGBT and this whole, you know, transgender thing that has literally taken over the world in the last five years insanity and actually really the last two to three years it's really been insane but to see this thing come in and try to exalt itself above god and above his word and you got christians who are just bowing to it and just like it doesn't matter it's it's literally sexual perversion guys hello are are, are we paying attention here it's sexual perversion it's been that way go back to Cal caligula right the famous uh, ruler back in the, who was who was full of debauchery and evil and wickedness, and they would have huge orgies, hundreds of people in one room, just demonic, sick stuff. All right, and it's all just flesh. It's all just carnality and no God, no no love for God. So it's not it's nothing new under the sun when it comes to this thing. But what it is new is when you have people kowtowing and bowing and being ashamed of God's testimonies, being ashamed of who God is and what God speaks and, and what he teaches. That's why I will delight myself in his commands and I will love them. I will have a love for them. I will love them. That's why it's like 
It's it, my love for God has to supersede my love for, you know, Bill, who now thinks his name is Susan. Me loving God's word is actually me loving Bill because Bill needs to know that God's word supersedes his mental confusion over whether he's a man or a woman. God's word has the authority over his disoriented thought life, which is full of demonic spiritual nonsense that would, and, and, and even now to this day, they're trying to pass legislation where children can have sex reassignments or all this. I mean, you have to be so dull and watered down. You have to be so weighed down by the world and literally a coward, especially if you're a Christian. If you see this stuff going on and you just turn and you just are just indifferent to it. Well, that's just the world. They're all going to hell. If you're indifferent in your soul towards those things, then I'm telling you, you're disconnected from the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is not out there, you know, wanting to kill these people, but he is definitely not out there like just ignoring them. He wants them to know, hey, turn your eyes to the words. Turn your eyes to God. He is the one who created you. He's the one that formed you. Find your identity to him. Love the Lord your God. See him. He loves you. He wants to you to encounter him. He wants to come in and heal and 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 dispel and break off all this stuff that the enemy's done in your life. God wants to break in into these people's world and shake it for his glory. He loves them. And that's where we have to be agents of change. We have to be able to stand up. And there's going to be people who throw rocks and there's going to be people who want to kill you. But your faithfulness is to his testimonies. Your faithfulness is to his commands. Your love is towards his word, which is truth. And that might cost you something, right? Yes, we do it in love. Yes, we're doing it in gentleness. Yes, we're coming to people who are struggling. We're saying, hey, God loves you. God cares about you. Let me show you what it says in his word. Let me let me point you to what the testimonies in the goodness of who God is. Let me show you here where he judges sexual immorality because he doesn't like it. It's not part of his character. He didn't create this world so that we can live in this in this sin and sickness. Sexuality is not supposed to drive and run our life. God is. And you're supposed to have a relationship with him, just like food and leisure and all this stuff's not supposed to run your life or video games or, you know, little trinkets or whatever it is that you can obsess about. None of these things are, you know, God is, is wanting those places in your heart and your mind. Give it to him and invite him into your life. Let him be the Lord of your life. All you have to do is invite him in and say, God, come in, come in and show me who you are. He doesn't judge. He's not coming in with a rod of like, I'm going to kill you because, you know, you, you're struggling with your identity. He, God's not wanting to kill people. He's wanting to break off the lies. He's wanting to break off the deception and get people to see the truth. <clears throat> but that's their choice to agree with it. And that's the scary thing is like people actually are free. They do have a free will because there's going to be, be, be people that reject God. They don't want him in their life. My hands also I will lift up to your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. Remember the word to your servant upon which you have caused me to hope. This is my comfort in affliction. Your word actually brings comfort into my life. 
for your word has given me life. Your word has given me life. Your word has actually given me life. The proud have me in great derision, yet I do not turn aside from your law. So there's all this pressure. You know, in life, there's pressure. There's pressure from people. There's pressure from circumstances. But these pressures aren't to get you to fold and to, and to turn inward. They get you to, to, to spill outward. The pressure should... The pressure really should be the thing that pushes what's on the inside out of you, whether it's good or bad. And it's not to be just, you know, in the dark. It's in the light. It's before the Lord. Deliverance. You know, sometimes in these deliverance services where people are like, you know, some of charismatic movements, they have like deliverance stuff and people would be like throwing up and like expelling what's on the inside. And I believe that's a picture of what God wants to do with the things that are in man that are wicked. He wants to deliver them from him to where they, they are expelled and out of them. They're no longer on the inside. They're, they're broken. The shame, the addiction, all those things are broken off of their life and there's it can no longer stay on the inside. It has to come out. Come out in the name of Jesus. That's why whenever Jesus walked in and there was a demon-possessed person, they knew it was it, this man had authority. God was there in the room. And when he said, go, they left. Okay, he wasn't sitting there having a conversation. What's your name? Where did you come from? Who are your friends? <laughs> you know, like these, I've seen this guy, Bob Larson. Oh my gosh, man. It's like more power to him. If people are getting saved and, and, and they actually love the Lord, then praise God. But this whole like, have a conversation with a demon, take your Bible and do all this like theatrics and stuff. It's like, just give the guy a break and, and tell the demon to go and then put a Bible in his hand and have somebody disciple, you know, get involved in their life, pay the price, like love the people, show them God, show them the word of God, get them in love with Jesus and his word. But don't sit there and have conversations with their demons, trying to find out what, you know, what... <laughs> This demon has a demon of hatred, and then there's four other names they name, like, oh, and, and this demon of, because of his hatred, now he's got rejection, and because of rejection, now he's got pornography, and now because of pornography, now he's, you know, he's, I don't know, he's got all these demons tied together, and they're all living inside of him, and, and Bob Larson wants to have conversations with him instead of coming and just saying, go in Jesus' name. And now let me show you how to live free. Let me show you how to appropriate and apply this discipline and this walk before the Lord to where you can walk in freedom and be free. Indignation has taken a hold of me because of the wicked who forsake your law. Your statutes have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. I remember your name in the night, O Lord. I keep your law. This has become mine because I have kept your precepts. You are my portion, O Lord. I have said that I would keep your words. I entreated your favor with my whole heart. Be merciful to me according to your word. I thought about my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. I made haste and did not delay to keep your commandments. The cords of the wicked have bound me, but I have not forgotten your law. At midnight, I will rise to give you thanks because your righteous judgments. I am a companion of all who fear you. Here's, here's the last, I'm gonna end on this. I am a companion of all who fear you. This is important in life, your companions. 
the ones that you're going to walk with, you're going to run with. People you're going to run with determine your, um, your future. They determine where you're going. If you surround yourself with a bunch of people not going anywhere, just hanging out, guess what? You're not going to go anywhere. You're just going to be hanging out. If you surround yourself with people who are going somewhere, who have a passion, who have a direction, a vision, then guess what? You're going to go where they go. You're going to be around people. That's why you have to find vision and find what what is it, where do you want to go and how do you want to get there? And then you find people who want to go with you, right? Or you want to go with them. And you follow people who are walking in the same direction. And sometimes that requires you to leave your family. You know, you can still love your family and, and they're in your life. But I'm saying sometimes you got to step away for a season and get away from their voice, the familiarity of their voice, their input, their influence. You want to be around people who fear the Lord, who love God, who love his word, who know him, who walk with him, who talk with him, who can speak into your life the truth of what God's speaking over you. You want to get around companions that will take you and push you into your destiny, into your future, and not get around people who are just, you know, a bunch of complainers, sad, you know, disappointed in life, didn't turn out the way they wanted to, you know, regret, shame. You get around those people, they're going to drag you in the direction, right? That's why they say what misery loves company. Miserable people like to be around each other and be around other miserable people so they can all be miserable together, which is no fun. Let's all just sit here and have a misery party. No, thank you. I'd rather go be in in a room and, and pray in the Holy Spirit or go be in a worship service and go press into God and hear God speak and go learn and go and, and, and like just being with God in that when his presence shows up, you know it. You don't have to be in a service. You can be at home and begin to sing and begin to just press into God and you begin to sense him and feel his love, feel his presence. I'd rather hang out with, with God all day long than be around people who are busted. And I'm not talking about you, you know, helping and ministering to people. I'm talking about people who are just stubborn. They don't go to church. They don't want anything to do with God. They're, maybe you're friends from old times, say, you know, old timey friends, but they're just stubborn. They're just, they're totally disconnected. And if that's the case, you got to disconnect from them. You got to find some new companions. Unless you're leading them to Jesus, if you're not leading them to Jesus, they're leading you away from Jesus. That's the way I look at it. Because people are, somebody's influencing you in one direction or the other. And of those who keep your precepts, the earth, O Lord, is full of your mercy. Amen. Thank you, God. Thank you for your mercy. Go back to this verse 57. You are my portion, O Lord. I have said that I would keep your words. I entreat your favor with my whole heart. Be merciful to me according to your word. You are my portion. You are my portion, Lord. You are my daily bread. You are the thing that I need every day of my life. I have to have you in my life. I have to have, I have to hear your voice. I have to feel your presence. I must. If I don't, I'm miserable. If I don't, I feel it. If I don't, I feel like, I, like I've gone astray. I feel like I've, left, I've left my first love. I need you, Lord. I need you. I need your, your word. I need your presence. I need your instruction. I need your direction. I need your truth. I need your faith. I need to trust you. I need to love you. I need to show not only my family, my kids, my wife, my friends, my church. They need to see who you are. They need to know you, God. And God, I want to know you. I want you to emanate from my life. I want, I want people to see 
that God, you're good, that God, you're alive, that God, you touch, that you heal, that you deliver, that you're faithful, that you save, that you restore, that you bless, that you reward, that you care about every detail of our life. And you take care of us, God. You're not a stingy God. You're not a stingy, how can I, how, how can I get a deal? How can I use a coupon? How can I save here? You're not the stingy God. You're a good God. You're, you're, you're a God of overflow and abundance. And you meet us in that place. You meet us wherever we're at. Just where we're at. Just like who we are, God. You don't come in and require us to be perfect. God, you meet us right where we're at. And then you speak into our soul. You speak into our life. You light us up for your glory and for your purpose. I love you, Lord. I thank you for your presence. I thank you, God, for your anointing. I pray, God, that people would just feel and encounter you as they listen, as they spend time with you. God, that there would just be an overflow out of their heart of adoration and love for you, thankfulness, gratefulness. Do the work, Lord. Do the work. Heal right now in Jesus' name. I pray you heal hearts. Heal brokenness. Heal pain. Heal, heal that disappointment. Heal those areas, Lord, where they've taken hits, where life has come and, 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 and really pressed in on them, God, and tried to break them, tried to destroy them, God. I pray, God, that the Spirit of God would come upon them. Raise that standard. Raise that standard, Lord, and let them shine. Let their life be better off. Let it be, let it be double blessed, Lord. Whatever they lost, Lord, you, that, that they will receive double for all their trouble. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.